This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hi, Jen. Um, How you doing? Listen, this is going to come out on the day of your birth. Wow. So I just think we need to take a second and <laughs> celebrate you and say happy birthday. You Praise the angels for my you existence. beautiful <laughs> young lady. <laughs> I am. I'm still a spring chicken, baby. You are. I, I mean, got many years left in this tank, my friend. Compared to me, you're basically a tiny little baby. <laughs> I okay. know. I'm so much younger. <laughs> you're so much younger. You're a tiny baby. And so I just want to say happy birthday. Thank I hope you. when this airs, you're having the best. For- oh, your birthday's on a Monday. Yeah, that's why it's mine was on a Monday this year. It's the worst day of the week to have your birthday, if I'm being honest. Oh, I mean, it feels really nice to me because I can just take the day off. Oh, yeah. See, I do time sheets every Monday. So, like, maybe our experience was a little different. I know. The other days is when I have my stuff. So, Monday is my flexible day. So, like, I'm cool with it being a Monday. Let me ask you a question. Your husband's birthday is like three days three days after yours your anniversary is like in between there some somewhere the 24th so our anniversary was yesterday my birthday's today and then his birthday is the 28th right and we purposely got married the same week as our birthdays so we figured that like there's no way we could forget everything 
Okay, so that was going to be my question. <laughs> now is we're like, like we won't you, forget. <laughs> do you feel like it was like a good choice because you have like one big celebration yes. for all? Yeah. Or do you want separate celebrations? One have you big. ever seen me celebrate anything? I mean, yeah. You're so good at celebrating. But I mean, like, you know, like, I'm not really someone who's like, I want to celebrate my anniversary. Right, right. Like, That's fair. Not, I'm not like a romantic person, I would right. say. So we just do everything at once. In theory, when we first came up with this plan, it was like, oh, well, now we're, we'll take a trip every year for our anniversary. Such a good idea. Uh, do you think we've ever done it? No, but there's still <laughs> time. You got your whole lives. <laughs> like, yes, we've been married seven years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Time flies. Time flies. Isn't that like seven, seven years is the seven year uh, itch? Have you been together what does that mean? I'm horny? So uh, yeah, no, I think it's the is opposite. That what that means or <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> oh, I'm horny for other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we know the actual research on on infidelity and cheating. It's yeah. not, uh, it's, none of it says seven years. Yeah, no. But no. yeah, it's just a, it's an it's urban. a fun thing we say. Fun urban legend. <laughs> well, Maybe I'll be horny for interior decorating or something fun we'll do in our seventh year. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> who isn't this horny for interior <laughs> Who isn't horny for interior decorating? I know. You know. My husband was like, what do you want for our anniversary and your birthday? And I was like, nothing. And nothing. Peace I'm and not quiet. <laughs> peace and quiet. Yeah, there's nothing that I want. Um, I feel super cool. I like don't. Birthdays like are not triggering for me for some people. It's like a lot of feelings. I don't have that experience. Um Sometimes the pressure around other people wanting to celebrate your birthday, I think, is difficult. So interesting. Um, but typically, we just plan something every year and do our own thing. So then no one's being like, what do you want to do for your birthday? It's like, I don't like that. That feels like a lot of pressure yeah, yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, happy to be here. Happy to be thriving. Confusing for my daughter, though, right? Because she thinks everything is her birthday. Like, every time we have like a birthday party she's like, and mine's tomorrow. And I'm like, no, yours is like still in the winter. Right, like you're and confused. so she's so it's a really confusing to have our anniversary and birthdays because she's like, this is definitely for me, right? And I'm do like, you, yeah, baby, it do, is. Do you think she feels left <laughs> out? Like everyone's celebrating their birthdays. I will say this. This is, this is when my daughter feels very left out, which is this is a big thing in our household. So I have an only child. So obviously she has her own room. I sleep with my husband. And so she get will get really upset. She says like, why do you guys get to sleep together? And I have to sleep alone. That's question. her one like big question. lonely thing. It's a solid question. Now she says this and ends up in our bed most nights by two right. in the morning. So, <laughs> and she's so quiet. She's like a ninja. So you like don't even notice. Like people are always like, you just let her sleep there to put her back. And I'm like, I don't even wake up. Pass out. I like wake up and she's looking at me and she's like, hey, mommy. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? When did you get here? So like doesn't even like she's just so quiet and just like sits honestly, and lays in the middle. Honestly, that sounds like a nightmare to me. <laughs> that. Fucking child hovering over me, (laughs) being like, hi, mommy. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. (laughs) I will have nightmares for the rest of the week. (laughs) What she usually says to me, because we went through a phase where she would get in the bed and then try to sit on my chest and sleep on top of me. And so now, anytime, like, now we're always like, you cannot sleep on top of mom. You have to sleep in the middle. So now, usually I wake up and she listens to me and she goes, it didn't sleep on you. (laughs) And I'm like, thank you. That's so nice. Nellie does that to me where she lays on my neck and she's, like, strangling me. But... I don't want to wake her up. So I'm like, this how is you let just her. how I'll die. And if yes. if that is the way I die, please put that on my tombstone. Suffocation by Kitty Fur. By Kitty Fur. <laughs> no. I, I love that. I think that's perfect. Right? Isn't that beautiful? And it just like I think so, it speaks yeah. to my soul. 
So thank you for the birthday shout out. Happy to be here. Hope there, I don't know if there's other uh, Libra September babies, but happy birthday to them too. Wow. So yes. good. Um, hey, M- Maddie wrote in, what's the best lesson you have learned from your therapist? Want me to do mine? Yeah. Well, you think? Well, you I seem think. like you're really got to think this through. Yeah, I do. Mine is the thing that has been drilled into my head. Two different things that I really get from my therapist. And I feel like when I say these, they don't sound um, mind-blowing, but they are very big mantras for me. So one is that um, you are not for everyone. The second one is kindness does not equal loyalty. So, or niceness doesn't equal loyalties. Those are the two things that have really hit home for me. They don't sound... um, mind-blowing but they have been very helpful for me Mm. that's good okay mine you know it's not a specific like saying as beautifully as that but mine (laughs) is a lot around uh emotional boundaries like where i end and other people begin um and the best ways to set that i also have another one is that communicating using other people's language. Mm. So you take the language that they typically use um, in situations and you take that language and you infuse it into your communication with them as opposed to using your own uh, language. So I'm trying to think of a specific example. My husband often wants to like help me with things right he like, really wants to help what's up with the business he wants to be very helpful he's always helpful to me i feel like bill is someone i call in panic yeah i mean yeah and <laughs> he, he can loves talk that. you down he loves that but he likes using the word like help right like yes. helpful and so if we're having a disagreement about something or like i have an idea about something he has a different idea my therapist talked about like why don't you use the term like this would be so helpful to me Right? Like this would be so like taking the language that feels really potent for him and infusing it into the way in which I communicate with him. Cool. Very helpful. Cool. All right. Um, hey, we got tremendous amount of listeners on not taking shit personally episode. We got so many follow up questions. So we're just going to do a part two before we get too far away from that episode because um, this is still fresh. So we wanted to get that out there. We're going to go through a ton of different follow up questions people had today. Apparently, a lot uh, of you are taking things personally. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. Thousands of people are taking so things many people very are taking personally. things. Per- it, was a, it was a big hit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about rejection sensitivity. This word is is way more common now than it's ever been before. A lot of it has to do with the normalization and the spaces around ADHD because it's incredibly common in adults with ADHD. So rejection sensitivity is a problem that interferes with your ability to regulate your emotional response to feelings of failure and rejection. Mm -hmm. So while rejection is almost always unpleasant for like everyone... Um, people with RSD experience overwhelming levels of emotional pain. So here are some, like a few examples of them might look like, um, like people report, like sometimes the smallest change in tone can make me catastrophize and worry for days what I did wrong. So can't, right, like can't move on from it. Um, my emotions can get so unbearably strong and unstoppable that I'm afraid of experiencing them all. It's easy for me to forget who I am when criticized, and then I hyper-focus on the uh, negatives, and then it feels like this moment is like the forever, right? So that's a few things people say. A lot of times, people that experience, um, people have this experience with RSD, 
typically have ADHD, autism, social anxiety, trauma. And it just triggers feelings of depression and rage, anger, or severe anxiety, right? So like, I might, I don't have rejection sensitivity dysphoria, so I might feel upset that someone's rejects me, but it doesn't put me into a place of depression, rage, or like severe anxiety, right? right? So like, basically, it is the extreme version of what most people experience, which I think is always like really easy for people to be like, that's not real. But like, if you've never experienced it, like, yeah, no shit, you say it's not real. I also and, and, think it's yeah. it's easy for people to be like, I have that, you know, like on the other yes, end of it, people would be like, yeah. that is me. Well, it's like how, like, you know, the internet um, labeled everyone as narcissistic as opposed to, like, they can have a narcissistic trait, you know? So, like, this doesn't mean you have it, but here's what things and somebody wrote in. You will see some people with people-pleasing have this. Part of people-pleasing is a way to adapt to not experience this. So, yeah, so we wanted to talk about that a little bit. And then basically how to deal with not taking rejection personally. I know we talk about this a lot, but we're going to review it. One of the biggest things is learning how to self-regulate and then to have that internal monologue with yourself of how to speak through this. Because even if something feels very personal initially, usually you can get down to some reasons that it's really not about you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a really good Reddit story. So yes. um, there's a Reddit thread of, um, am I the asshole? Have you ever seen this before? It's very, it's more than, okay. Okay, even, that is the most common thing on I'm not, Reddit. But I'm not okay. Reddit, really. <laughs> but I feel like it gets put anywhere. So whatever. So this is really great. Um, Reddit thread and people write in, am I the asshole or not? Somebody recently wrote one in saying, am I an asshole for um, telling my sister she doesn't, my sister-in-law, she doesn't need to wash the baby clothes. And so people, somebody tells a story about, I'm a mom of three. I gave my sister-in-law all of my hand-me-down clothes. And as soon as I gave it to her, she threw them in the washer. And I found this very offensive because obviously my stuff is clean, blah, blah, blah. She goes and tells this whole story. And she talks about how she like, you know, is very basically incredibly fucking insulted that her sister-in-law would do this. Sister-in-law could have many reasons that don't have shit to do with your home. Right? So she's a first-time mom. It's a recommendation given to first-time mothers. She's nesting. Um, she just wants to take any allergens off of it. It's been, you know, folded up. She wants to... There's so many fucking reasons that don't have shit to do with you. But this woman was taking... I mean, the, the her, her response, and even she, like, edited another response of, like, she should know that I keep my house better than that, and it's insulting. And she said, how would you feel if somebody put your stuff right in the laundry? I'm like, okay, every time I've ever gotten hand-me-downs, I put that shit in the laundry. Immediately. And I would imagine anytime I give hand-me-downs to someone, they put that shit in the laundry, right? right? It has nothing to do with the person. But it was such an interesting thing of like, this woman is really feeling so hurt that her sister-in-law did this very typical thing. And then she really made this first-time mother's experience about her. And so I thought that that was an interesting... um, Such a good example. Yes, yeah. Such a good example. And I, you know, the first thing that comes up for me is how is this person feeling about themselves as a mother, as, you know, like trying to maintain everything, trying to, because it might speak to a level of insecurity that they're already feeling, right? Where if you're like, okay, yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm doing okay. Like I'm holding it together. You know, my house is clean. I'm okay with it. And someone does that. It doesn't even affect you. It doesn't even bring that to your mind where you're just like, okay, you know, like it's, it doesn't feel as personal. And so sometimes when things feel super personal to us, 
it's because it's poking at our deepest insecurities, the things that we already struggle with within ourselves. Um, those are the things that can feel the most personal to us. And instead of saying, whoa, you know, I'm feeling really insecure about the way that I'm like handling all of this and I feel really overwhelmed. And instead it gets projected onto someone else that is poking at that insecurity, that it ends up being, it's easier to say this is about them than this is about me, because that would mean that you would have to acknowledge whatever shame is coming up for you that's connected to that insecurity. And Mm -hmm. shame is such a painful, unproductive emotion that we feel. And so instead of if, if you're feeling that way about something that's happening in your life, and I, I would I would say, can you take a moment to say, is this tugging at an insecurity for you? Are you already struggling with this? And how is that playing out in your anger towards this person or feeling like they're doing something that's very personal to you? Yeah. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. you got to try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Personalization linked to people pleasing could be. I, I typically think about it in terms of linked to cognitive distortions, which could be higher for folks who struggle with people pleasing. But I think it's not necessarily um, it's a it's a symptom, not a, an origin, if that makes sense, right? So this it would be that taking things personally can be part of people pleasing because you're so worried about everyone thinks and, and you're so aware of everything. And typically, people pleasers are like incredibly in tune of what's happening. And so even the smallest thing, right? So let's say Jen and I um, are in an interaction. I never, (laughs) never. We're in an interaction and I'm having like, I'm about to poop my pants. Like I'm like, the diarrhea is coming. This is what's going to happen. And I, she's talking to me about something and and I, and I'm not responding. I'm not responding because I'm trying not to shit my pants. But Jen takes this as I am, I don't agree with her or I don't like what she's saying or I'm mad at her and she reads into this this facial emotion that I have. Here's the thing. If you're a people pleaser, you're highly aware of those things because you're so trying to like scope people out at all times. You forget to think that maybe someone else is just going through some shit. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) But um, (laughs) I'm... Literally. I, and now, <laughs> now, anytime that you're not attuning to me, I am going to think that you're trying not to shit your pants. Which would be on brand. Um, <laughs> why is it so hard? I'm literally a therapist who helps people with this, yet I struggle with it so much myself. Dude. Let us just same. say, same. <laughs> same, same. There's so many therapists that listen to this podcast. So can, yeah, can many you all therapists. write in? Do you also struggle yes. with talking oh, shit? Be, I'd yes. love to hear. We should do a fucking poll. We should do a poll. I, wait, I also have to say, I think because sometimes when you're a therapist, you like hold yourself to a higher standard. Yes. Like, it's very normal to take shit personally. We all try to move against it. But, like, sometimes when you're a therapist, you're like, well, I shouldn't experience this. Right. I should know better. I'm like, well, you're still human, baby. You're still a human. And I think that yeah. that is a common thing of, like, because I know all this, it means that I shouldn't experience the human emotions that everyone experiences. Yeah. And listen, we're trying as best as we can to tell you that, like, we deal with this, too. You know, we can talk about this and talk about the reasons why we take things personally. But if either one of us has an insecurity and someone says or does something that triggers that, we're going to feel the same way. You know, it's just natural. You know, we talk through it with each other so we can like hold each other accountable and say like, hey, where's that? Where's that coming from for you? So that's really helpful. But this feels similar to the question of like, how do I not feel this? Right. Like because I'm a therapist, I shouldn't experience this. But it's hard. It is so hard, especially I don't know if you're new in the field, but when you are new in the field as a therapist, 
it is really hard. It, it's it's much harder too. And I guess I think that's with anything, right? Because once again, when your insecurities are are higher, feeling more insecure, and when you're new to anything, you're going to feel more insecure, more out of place. And so, uh, let's say you're a therapist in private practice and you just started, um, and clients, you know, come in and then they leave very quickly. It is so easy to take that personally, right? Where sometimes you're just not a good fit. It doesn't mean you did anything wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe there was something, maybe there was a break, maybe you didn't um, hold the space that they needed, but, and it could also be just that it wasn't a good fit. It could also be that they weren't ready for therapy. It could also be that it went a little too deep for them and they needed to back off. So there's so many possible reasons. I think sometimes as a therapist, for the therapists that are listening to this, because we don't get an answer a lot of the time why clients drop off, um, we're quick to say, well, what did I do? What did I do wrong? What could I have changed? Which at times can be really productive if you can say like, listen, I think that was a misstep or I think I could have done this differently or I think I could have attuned to this client more. But my question would be, at at what point is it no longer productive for you? Is it not helping you grow? Is it not helping you to move forward? So as a therapist, that's something to remember. When you work with people and you're experiencing this over and over and over again, it's very easy for this to come up in your work. So if you're a therapist listening to this, very natural. You know, one of the things we talk about with clients is we talk about the sort of the origin of this internalization and personalization, right? So when you are a kid, you are told that the world is good, right? So you are told it through movies and through books and it's like this messaging you get, the world is good and your caregivers love you and blah, blah. And then bad shit happens, right? My parents aren't the best parents. I I get um, abused or I get ignored. I have emotional left, right? But because you've been told the world in a black and white you said world, world, world is good, 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 good. But something bad happens. The only thing that makes sense in a young child's mind is, well, if the world is good and something bad happens, I must be the bad. Because we're not able to have critical thinking and understanding of context and abstract views. Can't see context. And so at a young age, we start to develop of I must be the bad. It must come from me. And when you start that from a young age and continue to internalize things on, you're going to carry that with you. And it's going to shape some shit in your life. That it is. Yes. I love this one. What are some mantras when taking things personally to pull myself out of it? Yeah, I want to hear yours. Not everything is about me. Mm. I am in control of my feelings and reactions. Others' opinions do not define my worth. People act based on their own experiences and perspectives, not mine. I can only control what I can control. Negativity from others reflects their inner state, not my self-worth. I feel like you did a little more prepping for this question than I did. So (laughs) mine was their reality is not my reality. And then the other one I have, which is not necessarily a mantra, but uh, um, something to do, is, so what if it's true? If someone says to me, um, well, you're a bitch. So what if it's true? What if I went deeper? Okay, then does that mean that I don't have worth and I should die? Probably not. 
Does that mean that no one will ever love me? Probably not. Um, does that mean that I will be left alone by everybody and isolated? Probably not. And so these things, this this fear about what you're taking personally, what if it was true? And what if we went deeper with that and to continue going down? Okay, so what if, what if, what does that mean? What would that mean? What would that mean? Go deeper and deeper down. I love that because it helps you to connect with the bigger meaning that you are making of these things. Yeah. And when you can understand and get to the bigger meaning, you can also question that meaning, right? Mm. That we assign meaning to things without realizing it based on our past experiences. Um, and so when you're asking yourself, well, what if, what if, what if, right? I love what you said about like, okay, so if someone thinks I'm a bitch, what does that mean? Does it mean that I'm not worthy of love? Does it mean everyone's going to leave me, right? That these are, when you're getting down to the deeper meaning, you're also able to question those meanings and if they are true or not. Yeah. Okay. I like this one. How to depersonalize an association with someone? I'm embarrassed by a family member. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, my first thought about that is that it's possible you have an enmeshed family reason why I say that is because it's hard to separate yourself from your family members, right? The assumption is that because my family member is this way, it reflects on me. It must mm -hmm. be something about me. Um, so I would first look at the family rules. What do the rules tell you? That if someone else in the family acts a certain way that it's your responsibility to clean up, that like blood is thicker than water and like you need to you know be loyal and loyalty in your family means that you need to back them up and take responsibility for whatever they're doing um and it might be the case that as you're listening to this episode as you're recognizing that maybe you take things too personally or you're you're taking responsibility too much for other people and their actions um that a, a huge boundary is needed between you and other people in your family. And what that means is you might have to break some family rules in order to start creating those boundaries for yourself, mm -hmm. which is uncomfortable. And it also may alter relationships in your family dynamic. And so if if that's something you're grappling with, I would also say to ask yourself, well, if I don't do this, then what is the cost to me? How will this end up affecting me if I don't start setting these boundaries? I don't start creating separation um, because it isn't your responsibility to, you know, take responsibility for what someone else is doing, that it isn't about you, that association, just because your blood with someone doesn't mean that it's connected to who you are as a person. Yeah. really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair 
cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash chicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash chicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash chicks. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. I take things personally and then I feel bad about it. How to get through the guilt. It's interesting. I'm wondering where the guilt comes from and if it's shame and not guilt. Right? So like the guilt is I did something bad. The shame is I am bad. Right. There's nothing bad about taking things personally. Right. It just happens. But I'm interested about where the bad is coming from and feels from. And so it's so how do you get through guilt? So let's say that it is guilt that we're talking about. And this person feels like you did something bad. I guess I would say, what did you do? Did you react to this person? Did you lash out at them? You took something personally and then what did you do? And if you did something that you're not proud of, let's say that um uh Jen took it personally that I was making this face, but really I had to go to the bathroom and she says to me, Are you fucking kidding me? That you're not responding to me right now. So me. And that's very you. It's like a, definitely a thing that would ever happen in our relationship. <laughs> and But then Jen feels very guilty by that. She gets to come to me and say, like, that was about me and not about you. Yes. That was an overreaction for me, right? So, like, a lot of times guilt is, like, if you feel guilty, do something yeah. about it. Yeah. If you have the opportunity to. But I wonder if this person's talking about shame and not guilt because they feel very similar in our bodies. Yes. And 
if it's something, you know, we had an incredible episode with Dr. Kristen Neff about self-compassion. And, you know, we say all the time that like, as we talk through these things, once again, like you're human, this is going to happen. And so I wonder, are you beating yourself up internally about taking things personally? Like, what are your expectations of yourself in general? It is so natural to take things personally. It's like part of our functioning as human beings. And so it's not about not taking things personally. It's about what you do with that, how you work through it after you take that personally, understand where that's coming from for you. So I just want to once again, just acknowledge that like you are going to take things personally and it's okay to not be hard on yourself about mm-hmm. that. Because I wonder if that's where maybe some of the guilt is coming from is beating yourself up for just taking things personally in general. Yeah. Somebody said, what if it's coming from a parent? Like, they're my parents, so it must carry more weight. Ah, then you're making an assumption about your parents being emotionally regulated, emotionally mature. And many of us do not have that in their lives. But let's give an example of that. My mother listens to this podcast. I love my mother. I'm incredibly close with her. I cannot tell you how many times my mother has corrected my grammar. Mom, I know you're listening to this episode. You know that you do this. I talk very fast. I fuck up grammar all the time. I have ADHD. I have pressure in speech. I was in speech therapy for the beginning part of my life. And I just, whatever, I fuck up grammar. Here's the thing. My mom corrects me. She lets me know. I don't give a shit because I'm not going to change anything. But if those comments made it feel like, oh, man, because my mom said this, I should stop doing the podcast or I I should not talk or I should talk super slowly or I should write down what some people do. We know like people that do podcasts and they pre-write their scripts and then they edit the shit out of everything. That wouldn't work for us. And it wouldn't work for me. But my grammar is wrong. My mom corrects me. That's fine. So the thing is, is that people, we can think it carries more weight. But I would also say, how much criticism do I experience from that person if I have a highly critical parents? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I would take everything as truth. And the other thing is somebody could be telling the truth and do it mean. Yeah. And so that's the thing is we might say there's more weight from my parents. I'm sure maybe they're right, but maybe my mom is totally right about my grammar. You are, mom. But my mom doesn't do it as like your grammar is so fucking bad on shrink chicks. Right. She says like, hey, you said this, this, you used a wrong term. And so, so I would also say to yourself, how does this person bring things up to me yeah. that I personalize? And how have I adapted for that? Yeah. I also think there are things that maybe, you know, something might be true for your parent that isn't true for you. Right. So like, mm. for example, Ellen, Emily's mom. <laughs> hi. Um, <laughs> it might be important for her. Right. Grammar might be very important for her. It might be something that she holds and says, like, this is important to make sure you do this for you. It might not be as important. Right. Yeah. So my question for this person is. Just because something carries weight for your parent, does it have to carry the same weight for you? Mm-hmm. And maybe throughout your life or throughout childhood, in order to stay connected to your parent, which once again is survival when we're kids, the weight that your parent held over something had to be the same weight that you held over something in order to stay connected, in order to stay close. As an adult, you get to decide how much weight those things hold for you as a person based on your values. Mm-hmm based on what's important to you. And so that's what I would say if you're in that phase of life where you're deciding, is this important to me? Like, for example, my mom always said, she's like, well, you can't get piercings, you can't get tattoos, 
because <laughs> because other people aren't going to respect you. Mm. You know, it was she was so worried about me getting a job. But like it was all a whole thing. Little did you know you'd start your own business. <laughs> I know. I was like, yeah. <laughs> watch this. <laughs> but, you know, I, over time, as you get older, you have to decide, like, is that actually something that matters to me? It clearly mattered to her. Right. You know, generationally, that was important to her. But that's not something that carries weight to me. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How can I let go of comments made by my in-laws about my parenting and boundaries? I think Jen just said it right. Like how those people parented might not be how um, you parent. And I think it's hard. I think sometimes we see people as older or authority figures and we think that that they are automatically right no matter what. And that might not be true. So one, you can also tell people, I don't want to hear this information. Thank you so much for your comments on my parenting. It's, you know, not something I want to hear. And then I can ignore it and move on and say, that's their shit, not my shit. And I know we're hitting the end of our time. We have to do Dear Em and Jen. All right, you ready? Yep. How do you navigate feeling like second best in my relationship? I, a 28-year-old female, feel very confident in myself generally. I have a great career, amazing friends, a loving relationship. However, I'm struggling with my confidence regarding my physical appearance for most of my life. My partner, 30 male, has taken a bit more time to get on his career path and doesn't have quite the same network of supportive friends and family. What he does have is seemingly unending stream of compliments and admirers everywhere we go someone is telling me or him how handsome he is how great he looks or how lucky i am i know i'm lucky to have a physically attractive and kind-hearted partner i just can't help but feel inferior in those moments where people are complimenting his appearance and then say nothing to me of course i have loved ones who tell me i'm beautiful enough and being honest i've never had any trouble attracting male attention but this feels different i know we're not supposed to derive our confidence from external validation but these moments feel like a real trigger for my low self-esteem how can i manage the difficult emotions that happen in these moments and not take it as a sign that i really am ugly my partner deserves all the praise and i don't want to ruin that for him Woo! Whoa. that would trigger the shit out of me <laughs> Same. Although Same. I will say everyone calls um my husband um they call him Ting like that like he's so perfect that when he smiles it tings and uh, <laughs> that's like a thing that's said right and it's true my husband is good at literally everything he does and it is hard to have a partner like that yeah. it doesn't make you feel good everyone tells me how attractive Bill is all the time he's and, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like I'm like hey Hey, me too. Like, you're okay. <laughs> but they're like, you're lucky you snagged him. It's that's a really triggering yeah. thing. And I the other thing is this person, I, I love that they're like trying to talk themselves out of this emotion. They're like, I shouldn't derive my self-esteem. I don't know, man. That sucks. Yes, that's just hard. It's just yes. hard. What would you do? Let me if you were in her position, what would you do? I'd make a joke about it every time. Yeah, I think that's I think I would do that too. I think I'd be like, Yeah, you know, I'm a lucky lady. I think I would like say shit like that. But I yes. think I think this goes back to a lot of what we were talking about when someone says something and it br- it brings up your biggest insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have been feeling insecure about your physical appearance for so long that when you're constantly hearing this feedback over and over and over again about your husband and you're not you're not getting anything from that, um, of course it's going to bring that up for you. Yeah. So once again, I think it. It highlights the things that 
we need to look at within ourselves. And at the same time, you are allowed to feel that and know that that's okay. And it just because you're feeling that emotion doesn't mean you're ruining anything for him. I also think people present it as a compliment to you. Like they think that they're also complimenting you. Mm -hmm. Um, by saying that, but still, understandably so, it would be triggering and feel personal. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think it is personal in this situation, right. but that feeling of being personal. And I would say to your partner, hey, this is actually a hard thing for me. And then it lets your partner know that when these things happen, it gives them an opportunity to say, like, I look good, but look how hot she is. Or like, you know, like, I'm the lucky one here. Or, you know, what I used to say when I was going through a very passive-aggressive time, people would say this to me and I'd be like, oh, but he didn't get into MIT. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> She's very snarky. I'd be That's like, I'd like also, let's be clear, my husband went to like a top robotics, but I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, just so you know, one negative, thing, one negative thing has happened ever. <laughs> he has no childhood drama. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so that's a hard thing. So like for me, like I'm going to make humor about it because I'm going to address it. But it's also like, what would it be like for you to be like, oh, this is really hot. And I also really know that I hear all these things about it. And also to then decouple away from the appearance versus what you love about this person. That is it. We're going to get kicked off here for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We um, always ask you to rate, review, subscribe, follow an Apple podcast. You can check out merch at shrinkchicks.com. You can get our uh, journal on Amazon and Shrink Chicks Journal. You can follow us at Shrink Chicks. You can follow us at The Therapy Group. If you are looking to start or to continue your therapeutic journey, we would love to connect you with one of our amazing clinicians. You can check out thetherapygroup.com. And don't forget that to know yourself, you got to grow yourself. <laughs> <laughs>